0: Well, the world to Coffee Over Suicide, the dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death, one cup of coffee at a time. I'm your host, Chris Parker Howard. And today on the show, we have got championship kickboxer, world traveler, writer, survivor, Randy Lee... Law. Uh, This is a phenomenal conversation and we're going to get into it really, really quick. But first of all, uh, let me just point out the fact that this is the last Coffee Over Suicide for the year 2022. We started this thing back in 2018 and I can't believe that it is still running and I have nobody to thank uh, except all of you. So thank you. Thank you for being here and for doing this (laughs) with us. Um, It's been an interesting time. You know, the end of the year is all about reflection and uh, getting into all of the ways in which you've grown and changed or the ways in which you haven't grown and changed that you'd like to And I'm no different than anybody else in that regard. I've been thinking a whole lot about areas of my life where I would love to see myself make some changes. And I think that it's only natural at the end of a year to look back on where you've been and think about where it is you'd like to go, what it is you'd like to be doing. Uh, If you fell short, that's okay. Okay. Recognize that you fell short of what it is you plan to do and recognize that you always have the opportunity to do something else. I'm not saying do something better. Uh, I'm just saying do something else. You don't always have to do what you've always done. You don't have to get by the way you've always gotten by. You can do, you can really quite literally do something different uh, and make your life different it's it's all about choices it's all about knowing what the parameters of your choices are and believe me even if you feel stuck you're not stuck you've got choices even if those choices are to uh you know i'm going to be a guy who wears a necklace Every day, Uh, I'm going to be someone who decides that brown Schwager sandwiches are the way of the future. You can make these choices and you can find some sort of comfort in taking ownership over your life and the choices that you make. Uh, I think that that is the mindset of a champion. And speaking of champions, we've got Randy Lee Boslaw on the show today. I'm not going to talk a whole lot up at the top here. I just wanted to say thank you to everyone, and I hope to see you in 2023. And let's just get into this conversation. This is a really fantastic conversation. You're absolutely going to love it. Let's get into it. Let's talk to Randy Lee Boslaw. Cool. All right, so I guess we're going. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Hi. Welcome. Happy to have you. Happy to be here. Uh, tell me where I'm talking to you from.
1: Um, I'm in Canada by Niagara Falls.
0: Nice. Lovely. I always had this dream that I would end up in Vancouver someday.
1: I've never been to Vancouver, so...
0: Oh. I haven't either. Uh but it sounds Well then nice. you should go. Yeah.
1: It I've heard it's really nice. Yeah. Uh my uncle lives out that way somewhere out west. Um, <laughs> but I've never been.
0: Yeah. So you always you've always been where you are then.
1: Uh, pretty much always in the same region, mm. and just like different cities within the same region.
0: Sure. You know what's funny is I grew up in Michigan, which is oh, not far, know, very close. And I've never been to Canada. It was just right there. And I've never been. That's
1: sad. I don't think I've ever been to Michigan. So.
0: Well, there you go. So I guess. <laughs> I'll I guess. let you
1: off the hook because I never did it either. Yeah. I've right. been to Pennsylvania. I've been to New York, but never Michigan.
0: You're not missing much. I mean
1: <laughs> I would say you're not missing much because from my perspective you're not, but yeah. people flock to the falls because yeah. it's just so amazing yeah, I guess I don't sure. know I'm like, okay, if I want to see running water I'm gonna go turn my tap on
0: <laughs> yeah I imagine that some people who live near the Grand Canyon feel the same way like it's a you know it's yeah a hole. like it's a hole right yeah yeah but there is something there is something about it though like uh I, I but I think that Your experience will vary based on uh, what you take with you. And I think that a lot of times people will, um, you know, they'll they'll go to something like, say, Niagara Falls or the Grand Canyon with this idea of destination. We're on an adventure. We're going to go to the place. We're going to see the thing. And then look, we're at the place. We're seeing the thing. Even if the thing is nothing
1: right if you do come to the place and see the thing they do have a really cool behind the falls thing Mm -hmm. that you can do and this i can't remember what it's called but it's like a little kind of like a ride type thing but it like teaches you how the falls came to be and it actually like rains on you and the floor shakes and stuff that's really cool
0: that sounds very cool well, tell me.
1: So, if you come to see the thing in the place, yes. then do that.
0: <laughs> well, tell me, tell me a little bit more about you. I wanna, I, I wanna, I, I have so many questions. Uh, let's, let's go. I have so many answers. Well, great. Then we match. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's, uh, let's go back. Let's go all the way back, uh, as I like to do, uh, because I like to get the picture of the whole person so what was young well, i was a
1: super cute baby and...
0: <laughs> yeah give me all of it let's start there
1: um all right so i was a super cute baby and i was born early a little bit not much um <laughs> my mom always used to this is the first first podcast i have said let's go all the way back this is the first time i've said my mom always said i was born hungry because i was screaming and i wouldn't shut up until they gave me um a bottle <laughs> and most babies are like they they cry a bit but then they're they chill out no apparently i needed to eat immediately yeah which tracks throughout my life <laughs> but really i mean as a as a small kid things were pretty good um my parents were never together to my knowledge like obviously they were together at one point right um, obviously but uh, I don't ever remember them being together. I, I had an older brother who was four years older than me, um, and then when I was ten, my first little sister was born. Mm-hmm. Um, we're same dad, different moms. Um, and then when I was twelve, my other little sister was born, um, and that that was the last of my siblings. But <laughs> um, I always always wanted a sister, and then I got two. I'm so excited. Um, but, yeah, so as a kid, it was all right. I'd go to my dad's every other weekend, spend most of the time at my uncle's house with my cousins. Um, and then it wasn't until I was a teenager that things got a little bit rough. Um, so when I was – the year be- the summer between grade 8 and grade 9, my mom got married. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother was in jail for the longest time that he had been in. Mm-hmm um and we moved from one city to another city um i had my first boyfriend and went to high school which in and of itself was a horrible time right um but yeah so as a teenager the my stepfather turned out to be an alcoholic uh the, my brother was in and out of jail uh got into drugs um I had an adorable baby boy, though, when I was 16. I love my nephew. Um, then he had a couple other kids, too, but my nephew was the first one. And that would be when I first started with depression and thoughts of horribleness and suicide. And yeah, I'm sure we'll get into it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, this is Cliff Notes version. And then <laughs> um, graduated high school. Uh, barely, (laughs) mainly, mainly because I just didn't want to be there. Uh, went to college. Uh, Well, hold on. Before college, I had a baby. Um, then I went to college, (laughs) graduated from that twice, two different programs. Um, went to university for a little bit, uh, worked in social services for, six years um i had cancer four years ago my husband almost died my kid went for lack of a better term crazy um all things i feel free to ask me about any of them um so he was in and out the hospital um i was a kickboxing champion for a while there uh and this year my body decided to be like ah we're just gonna stop moving and that's now that's today that's the cliff nose version (laughs) i still seem long
0: (laughs) (laughs) i love it there's there's so much there you just glanced right over so beautifully uh and i definitely do want to get into it um especially starting with the uh with the teenage stuff because that's usually where the depression and and all of it starts to really take hold because um, teenagers yeah. are full of all kinds of emotions and stuff, anyway. So I feel like
1: yeah, my youngest is fifteen right now. And, whew, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I have kids too, <laughs> and they are uh, they are all technically adults at this point. Technically, oh, okay. I like that. I like that. Yeah, I, like that. <laughs> yeah I, I would like to like that more. No, I like it a lot I do <laughs> I do They're awesome kids um they, you know oh, that's good. not without not without their challenges as they tend to be you know um oh, yeah, but for you and your particular set of challenges what was what was the uh, was there an incident that you can point at that uh ticked the depression off and got it moving, or was it uh. just kind of something that was always sort of bubbling under the surface, and now here it is?
1: I'm going to say probably something that was always bubbling under the surface and kind of just one thing on top of the other, on top of the other, on top of the other yeah. to just kind of break and don't know what to do. Um,
0: what was your personality I always, type? Like,
1: um, you're the first one to ask me that, so I have to actually think. Um, so, like, as a... It's kind of weird. I feel like when I was a teenager, I was kind of a different person. Um, And I like to, I think that's a lot to do with masking um, my real self. So as a kid, I was kind of the same as right now, like bubbly, um, wanting to go, like I was on every sports team when I was in elementary school, uh, school plays, like I was just this big personality. Um, When it came to grade seven, eight and into high school, grade nine, It kind of got less and less. Mm. Um, I felt like I didn't really fit in with everybody else my age. I do not really feel like I was wanting to do the same things as everybody else. Um, It turns out I have autism. I found that out. I'm like, oh, my whole life makes sense. Um, So another layer on top, another layer, right? So all through high school, I'm trying to mask my personality my quirks, the things that make me super fun now mm-hmm. but things that i would have been teased for back then because kids are me oh yeah um yeah right <laughs> kids are awful <laughs> so i i tried to hide who i really was um to try and fit in so if my friend set me up on a blind date I would begrudgingly go and pretend like it was a fun time, even though I was like, this is stupid. I don't care about dating. I just want to go home and play with my Barbies. Um, but that's not what 15-year-olds did. So I pretended like I didn't do it either. Um, so that that's really hard when you live every day pretending to be somebody that you're not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then on top of that, um, I was the poor kid like when my mom got married we were like middle class but before she got married i was the poor kid so all of these kids i'd been to school with for years and years i was the poor kid um i remember in grade eight somebody teased me because i had bought it <laughs> i don't know if you even know this store um but i had my clothes were from zeller's mm. um i don't know what the american equivalent uh, is that maybe kmart
0: sure something like that maybe It's yeah. a picture
1: <laughs> um Yes, yeah, I'm, try- I'm trying to think. The American equivalent. Um, and so, and I loved the shirt, but then when it was, met- oh, that's from Zellers?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it just felt awful. Right. Um, and I didn't have a heck of a lot of friends in high school. Again, I, don't, I didn't need a lot of friends, but at the same time, I, I never felt like I quite found the people who accepted all of me for who I am. Like like I do as an adult. Um, and I'm sure lots of teens, right? You're trying to figure out who you are. On top yeah. of this, right? On top of hiding who I am, I'm trying to figure out who I am. But how do I figure out who you are when you're hiding here? It was very confusing. Um, and then on the flip side of that, at home, um, my brother had gotten out of jail um, in the May of my grade 9 year. And so he gets out of jail. My mom said to to my stepdad, you know, don't don't tell him where we live we will support him we will talk to him uh, my mom rented him a place to live but she did not want him to come back and live with us mm. um which was a good decision but her husband didn't stand by that decision because he just wanted to be friends with him he wanted to be liked um, and he, oh sure Brandon come and live with us it's totally fine um, and that's when he started drinking even more mm. um and then my brother was, he was into drugs. Um, we had been robbed a couple times. And if you've ever had your house broken into and robbed, it, it's an awful feeling to walk home and have your underwear drawer just thrown all over the place. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, they stole stuff. But it, it stuff can be replaced. The feeling of intrusion on your life, mm-hmm. that doesn't go away so easily. Yeah. Um, so I never really liked inviting friends to my house because I never knew what I would be coming home to. Would I be coming home to everybody happy or would I be coming home to a screaming fit mm. um, and being told to go upstairs to my room, go hide, go chill out. And so it was, yeah, it was just one thing on top of the other on top of the other. And I think it's, it's, I I couldn't deal with it. And I, it's a lot.
0: And what was the what was the thinking uh, when, you know, you had your first suicidal thoughts? Was it like, everything is going to be better when I'm gone for everybody else? Or um, like, did you think so, you were a problem or that your situation was a problem for you?
1: That's a great question. I got to really think back. You have some good questions. I've been on so many shows and nobody's asked me this. <laughs> so... I think back then, I I know the one thing for sure is I thought everybody thought the same way. Yeah. I didn't realize that absolutely hating yourself in your life wasn't really normal or good. (laughs) Um, Wow. And I couldn't talk to my mom about these feelings because she, and and I've talked to her now as an adult. My mom is not a bad mom, Mm -hmm. but she tried to shield me from everything going on by what felt like being ignored. Mm. She didn't talk to me about why my brother was in and out of jail. She didn't talk to me about what my stepfather and drinking meant. Like she didn't, she didn't talk to me about any of that. She figured, okay, Randy's going to school. She's getting good enough grades. She's fine. She has some friends. She's fine. Yeah. But inside I'm going, why don't you spend time with me anymore? Because as a kid, Me and my... Like, I'm a mama's girl. (laughs) A hundred percent. And so, as a kid, we used to play, you know, restaurant together where I'd make up fake menus for dinner. And we'd have movie nights all the time. Like, we did so much stuff together. And then, as a teenager, it was completely different. She had to spend a lot of time going to court for my brother. She had spent a lot of time... Like, if we went out for the day... I remember this one day. We went out shopping at the Penn. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, I have to get home because... Kaz is going to be home soon, my stepfather, because she didn't want him to start drinking, and so if she got home, she could stop him. So I, what, what am I? Just chop liver? Yeah. We're having fun together, but he's going to be home. this grown ass man. Sorry, uh, this grown man has to be babysat, right? And so, as as a, I mean, a teenager, but really a kid, that makes you feel like crap. Yeah. So, yeah, there there was definitely this feeling of it would be better if I'm not here because. I'm being ignored anyways. I'm not important anyways. I'm just a burden. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have too many friends that would miss me. My teachers don't know me because I skipped so much, so they wouldn't care. Um, my dad I barely even talked to as a teenager. So, yeah, everything would be better if I just wasn't there.
0: Yeah, it's it, and it sounds like it's a little of both between those two scenarios where it's like, yeah. You know, what else What else are you going to do? If your house is on fire, you're going to jump out a window. Like, you know, what else do you have? What other alternatives do exactly. you have? Especially, I mean, you've got those blinders on that just make yeah. your situation look like there's there's only one way it can possibly go and it's negative.
1: Yeah. And when nobody talks about it, because back then there wasn't YouTube or podcasts yeah. or Google wasn't that big of a thing yet. Like Google was around, but it was still a baby. So it wasn't like you could just jump on the internet and be like, okay, where's my people? Yeah. Where, where is podcasts like this? Where are shows that I can watch so I can understand what I'm feeling? You couldn't, you couldn't just Google this stuff. So there was no escape. There was no finding something else. Yeah. Now, like my kid, basically all of his friends live in the States and they have been friends for years now. They play games online together Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. He doesn't have very many friends around. He has a couple around here, but not many. Yeah. So the internet can be so helpful in that way. But yeah. back when I was a teenager, at my house we didn't even have the internet at my house. Right. My my friends had it, but we didn't. So we didn't have. I didn't have access to figure out why do I feel like this. Yeah. What is alcoholism? What is juvenile detention? Like I couldn't find that information. So I didn't even know what any of it meant, or who to go to for information.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I, I mean, my situation was completely similar. It it was like, you know, the the internet was just sort of in its infancy, um, and it didn't really, it didn't really, uh, like it was in people's houses when I was a teenager. I mean, people had it, but... Dial-up? Yeah, it was dial-up, you know, (laughs) but it, it was like, people had it, but you didn't really use it for like, at least I didn't, I didn't really use it for things like I I had interests. I had things that I, that I was doing um, and I didn't really understand it and we didn't really use it for much and, you know, tied up the phone line and all that stuff. But
1: exactly. I have to get on the phone. (laughs) Get
0: (laughs) off. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But uh, so then you, you go through all of that. Was there, were there other than thoughts? Were there attempts? Were the and then. What were those met with?
1: Um, I I never managed an attempt, which is good. Yeah. I did write I did write goodbye letters. Mm. Um, so it was That's like a plan,
0: on, my friend,
1: on <laughs> on the way. It was on the way to to a full blown attempt. Um, but I was just still, I guess, in the plan stage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I mean is good, is very good. Um, yeah. So I wrote I wrote goodbye letters. Um, I don't know. What, Actually, that's not true. I do know why I never went through with it. So um, Wednesday nights with youth group mm-hmm. uh, at my church. And that was the only place that I ever felt like people liked me for me. Mm. Like I didn't have to pretend to be somebody else. Um So, I I say that it literally saved my life because it was a safe space for me to go to. Now, it's not to say that I got along with everybody that was there. Definitely not. Um, But I had people I looked forward to seeing. Yeah. And I never had to worry about pretending to be somebody else. I didn't have to worry about... my mom, my stepdad, my brother, I don't worry about any of them. It was actually my aunt that took me um, and my cousins went to um, Awana because they were younger than me. So they went to like the kids program. Oh, yeah. So it was my thing and that just that having my thing and finding my people, that is why I never went through with it. So I, I kept those uh, goodbye letters tucked safely away. Um, and luckily never brought them back out <laughs> and that's, and eventually I guess I threw them out. I don't have them anymore. I yeah. actually, I actually looked for them one day, um, when I was writing one of my books, I'm like, Oh, that'd be cool to like put in. Right. Uh, oh, which is good. Yeah. I threw it out. I didn't need it anymore.
0: Well, I mean, speaking of things that you don't need anymore, uh, what were your, what were your first coping mechanisms to get you through things? Like how did you, how did you get yourself through writing? It? Writing
1: writing um so specifically writing poetry when i'm super emotional and i still do it to this day when i am having a really bad uh depressive episode or even just sadness like just any kind of big emotion poems are what i write nice i love writing books i have i have lots of them i've written lots of them um but for emotional i guess coping i go to poems and some of them are pretty dark Mm -hmm. um and i think a lot of that was i didn't try it on myself because i wrote about it yeah and by writing about i i I wrote about cutting myself a lot Mm -hmm. um because that that was kind of my go-to it was that idea but i never did it because i wrote about it And by writing about it it got that need out in a much healthier way
0: yeah it's almost like um when you're going into something creative and you make something that's dark or sad, I find that in a lot of cases, it's like, um, you know, it's like, uh, it's like the sadness in the blues or the, the, the aggression in punk rock or something like that. Whereas it like you take those things and you exercise those demons out of you. And it's more like a celebration of something you lived through or, uh, a situation yeah. that you avoided or an intellectual puzzle you're trying to solve rather than a glorification of something negative. It's it's using yes. something negative to feel something positive.
1: Yes, that's the best way I've ever heard it put because so many people are like, oh, you write about it, so you must want to do it. <laughs> Yes-ish, yeah. but because I wrote it now, I don't want to do right. it. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, music was a big one too. I, I used to listen to The Used a lot. Yeah. Um, love them. Uh, and then it's so funny. My kid found them I, a couple years ago and he's, he's like, this song is great. I'm like, I know it is. And I'm singing. He goes, how do you know this song? I'm like, it's older than you. Right. <laughs> um, and then I also, I watched the movie 13 a lot, yeah. Love that movie. And again, it was that if I'm watching it, the characters on the show are doing it, so I don't have to do
0: right. it. Right? Yeah. Those are all really powerful coping mechanisms. I, I I love the fact that you found yourself with creative outlets and places to put things. So with having those boxes to put things in, and you're now carrying yourself. Uh, and propelling yourself forward as a teenager with somewhere to put things now you're pregnant and so yeah what uh, what was that so like? i
1: did graduate first i did graduate first mm-hmm. um so i was 17 when i graduated and i went on a missions trip uh this was Just after Hurricane Katrina, Mm. just to give people kind of a timeline. Um, And we went down to help rebuild some of the houses, Mm -hmm. which was so much fun. Um, I got to go up on a bunch of roofs and tear stuff apart. I was more on the demolition side because I didn't know how to actually (laughs) fix stuff. But tearing stuff down is fun, Um, at least until we pulled down... Um, a ceiling in a garage and there was a whole bunch of cockroaches and me and the other two teens, we ran out of there. I were screaming. Um, Somebody else finished that garage. (laughs) (laughs) But So after I came back from that, um, I had moved into an apartment with a friend. So, okay, I'm going to back up just a tiny bit. So in grade 12, I had moved out into a friend's house because my house had gotten so bad that I could not stay there anymore I could not stay there anymore with the screaming and the alcoholism and feeling completely forgotten about or when I wasn't forgotten about being told oh go to your room because you know these two are having a fight and my brother and my stepdad would constantly fight um and it was just way too toxic so I moved to my friend's house with her family which was good, it was, it was safe, um, they treated me very nicely and everything, but, and the funny thing is actually when I lived at her house, um, she had the internet, so hmm. on MSN, I was talking to one of my friends on MSN, <laughs> and I said, I'm really bored right now, can you add in somebody I don't know to the conversation? And she added in who is now my husband. So it was kind of neat that way. Uh, it worked out really well for me. We've been together 15 years, um, but I was there because of in a ba- because I was in a very bad situation. But it worked out well, so that's good. Um, definitely didn't see that coming back then. <laughs> So, but it still wasn't my home, right? Living with your friends is, it was, like I said, it was good. It was safe, but it wasn't my home. Mm-hmm. Um, so about near the end of the school year, so about nine months, ten months later, uh, my stepmom, and, or sorry, my stepdad and my mom finally broke up. Mm-hmm. I was like, yay, woohoo. So I moved back home. It is hard to move back home after you've left. Mm. It was, it was weird. Um And yeah, it was still just 17, but it was, it was super weird. So, um, and my brother was still there and he was still a toxic person. Um, and my mom was having to move because she couldn't afford the, the townhouse anymore with, with my stepfather gone. So it was just, it was weird. Um, so I was like, okay, I need to, I need to find another space. And so then, then I went on the missions trip and I was working at Subway at the time. Mm. So I went on this missions trip while I was away. My friend moved me into like, we had already planned this. It wasn't a surprise to me, but I was moving in with my friend, um, not her family. So she was a couple of years older than me. She was a coworker at Subway and she was getting an apartment. She needed a couple of roommates to rent it with her. So me and another person, we were roommates together and they were great. Um, But her brother was there when I got back and just I wasn't in a good place um, in my life, obviously, with everything that had went on. Um, I did not have good coping strategies. Um, I did not have life skills to deal with the situations that were going to arise. Mm. Um, And so I ended up having a baby. Um, and that was a really messed up time because I, like I said, I was in such a bad place in my head, um, that I, I was like, am I gonna give this baby up for adoption? Am I keeping it? I don't know. Um, I knew I was either keeping it or giving up for adoption. The third option was not an option in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, even though some people in my life tried to say that, um, that there was three options. Um, and so I ended up moving out of that place and rented with my my child's dad, um, who is not my husband, um, somebody else. And um, I never wanted to. It was very toxic. That's a great word. Yes, it was very toxic. It was not a place that I ever wanted to be in my life. Mm-hmm um never saw myself being in that place i don't think anybody who puts who is in that situation puts themselves in that situation knowingly but that's where i was um and then i didn't stay there long because i i knew i had to get out um so i ended up staying with my aunt for a while Mm. um And now that my cousin is older, we've talked about this, and he's like, oh my gosh, I just was so mad that you were always at our house, but I feel bad now. (laughs) It's okay. Totally okay. I love you. Um, So I ended up staying with my aunt for most of um, my pregnancy. I, I did get, well... At one point during that, I found another apartment with another friend because apartments are so flippin' expensive, right, that you always mm-hmm. need a roommate. Yeah. So, um, and my, so my friend needed a roommate, so I went and moved in with her, except her boyfriend, I guess, I didn't know him that well, and he was never this way in front of me. But I guess he was very um, abusive and um, demanding. Mm. So the one day I was at my aunt's house watching a movie, they came to the door and said, you have to move out. I was like... What are you talking about? I've paid my rent. I've paid my half of the bills. Like, what the? But my name wasn't on the lease or anything. Right. So, and really, why stay where you're not welcome? So, that's how right. I ended up actually at my aunt's house is because she was like, well, she said, I guess, what her boyfriend said. She tried to apologize to me later. I'm like, you know what? I just, I don't have time in my life for your drama. I'm sorry, but I don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, I learned boundaries eventually. <laughs> and
0: uh it's a hard minute. thing to
1: learn sometimes, yeah yeah, especially when you grow up not being taught them um yeah. so that was pretty tricky um so yeah then i i found a finally found an apartment my mom helped me find an apartment that was just for me, so it was good um so um I stayed there a bit while I was pregnant finally, and after I had my baby, I moved in with my mom, who um I had bought a house with her new boyfriend and that did not go so well for her either. My mom doesn't have a great taste in men. I love Mm -hmm. her, but she just doesn't. Um, So that blew up in our face. um, And I ended up moving back out into subsidized housing um, when Lev was one which was great so that's when that's when life started to actually get much better (laughs) (laughs) so he he was one, I was 19 Um, I was dating my now husband finally Um, I was in college had my own place, didn't have to worry about anybody else, didn't have to worry about somebody kicking me out because it was mine Mm -hmm. I wasn't just a roommate Um, and so things things were much better it's not to say that I didn't have episodes of depression but I wasn't in that slump 24
0: 7. Right. Well and you also had a level of I mean there's a level of resilience on display here Uh, just uh, like we talked about earlier the situation where things were so incredibly bad the depression got to the point where you were thinking about suicide and this is kind of the inverse of that thinking where it's like uh, well uh, my options are make this work or there is no other option. Like that's what I have on the table. So it's, it's kind of funny when you look at those two opposing ideas next to each other and just how, how different they are. And you know, what a full circle moment that becomes when you have, you're in this situation and (laughs) now it's like, well, uh, I don't see any other way forward except for forward. Whereas before, I don't see any other way forward, period.
1: <laughs> That's true. I never looked it up that way. Yes, I like that. <laughs> yeah.
0: So in, in, in all of that, I know that you've, you've uh, uh, talked about this before. Uh, and I, I think you, you may have hinted about this uh, earlier, but um, uh, wasn't your child uh, special needs?
1: Yes so um, he was finally diagnosed when he was eight so um, he's got autism anxiety mm-hmm. ADHD every time we'd go to the hospital they just add more letters but yeah. really it boils down to really boils down to autism um, and so the thing too is so my my son is trans mm. um, and he came out after his diagnosis so yeah. Four females with autism were often late diagnosed, so he wasn't diagnosed until he was eight because yeah. he was still female up to that point, right? right? So um, females are supposed to be quiet and reserved, and we're supposed to just want to try to fit in. We just do what everybody else does. Um That's called masking. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Being super quiet is called not knowing how to deal with the situation, um, what the expectations are, uh, not understanding social cues. Uh, So it took a long time. My husband and I, we knew that something was up when he was younger. Mm -hmm. But doctors didn't want to listen to us because that's what girls do no it's fine i'm like it's not fine (laughs) um but but finally when he was eight he got diagnosed um and it really came down to the teacher report so the teacher uh reported to the psychiatrist that about the social skills at school Mm -hmm. and how for an eight-year-old they were very behind yeah um so that was really kind of a happy moment (laughs) it I mean it's rough because yeah I know that you're gonna have struggles in life but Mm -hmm. it really doesn't change anything about you it's just who cares it's just something that's just a part of you um but at that moment was like finally somebody believes us (laughs) we know there was something going on we know that he's not just a rotten child because at that point by the time he was eight he was getting sent home constantly for mm-hmm. meltdowns at school. Yeah. Um, and it was because of the overstimulation. Yeah. But because there was no diagnosis, the school is just like would call me at work constantly, like three, four times a week. You have to come pick him up. We can't handle him. Because they didn't have EA support for him. Yeah. You have to come pick him up. He's he's having a meltdown. He's running through the school. He's just screaming for no reason. I'm like, don't there's obviously a reason. Yeah. Um, and then for a bit there they kept calling because he would get in a fight with this other girl who was a couple of years older than him. And I'm like, Hey, well, what's going like, my son doesn't start things. Yeah. You guys have what's going on but this student was just she was just so nice that she couldn't possibly do anything wrong right um and my son kept saying no she's saying stuff to me and because he his mind wasn't fast enough to come back with some quick snapbacks to her Mm
0: -hmm.
1: he would hit her because that's all he knew how to do to protect himself yeah um And when he had, he had experienced bullying in kindergarten and grade one from somebody in his class, like so severe, he had night terrors. So he didn't trust teachers anyways, because they didn't do anything for the other kid. So why would you do anything for this kid? Um, But then one day, finally, the babysitter was walking him to school. And this girl with her friends was walking a few feet behind them and whispering "Going, Oh, you're such a witch. And you're so stupid and all these things. So my son was getting like, super agitated and the babysitter had to actually flag a teacher down to come over and escort my son into the school so that he wouldn't you know have an altercation right away and my babysitter reported it to the school and finally they sort of believed me i'm only gonna say sort of believe me because (laughs) the the school just we have had a lot of issues but um so it was finally that teacher's report and then the school was like oh He's autistic. Well, we can do this and this and this now, and I'm like, "Cool, <laughs> you couldn't do that yesterday." Right. Um, so, but it, it was it was good in that way. Um, it was still a, a lot of struggle over the years for him, and he was in and out the hospital for his own suicide attempts. Um. Don't worry, everybody. He lets me share. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he he was in and out for that. So when that was all happening my depression was also starting to ramp up because i'm obviously a horrible mother because i can't handle him and i didn't teach him the right stuff and i am to blame not the overwhelmingness of school and teachers not believing him and him not having the proper support yet no no it was my fault yeah all of it was my fault um, and then I had to leave work all the time, so I'm also a horrible coworker. My house was a disaster, so I'm also a horrible housewife, <laughs> and just you know, I'm a horrible every possible way there is. Um, so again, I went to that planning stage. Yeah. We have a lot of bridges around me. I was planning to just drive right off one. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked the one and everything. Yeah. Um. But uh, so that was a rough probably about two years um he finally got into um a treatment place that's a couple of hours from here so he he was there for about three months and it made a huge difference because he learned more about himself we learned more about you know how to help him and support him yeah the school learned more like it was just it was huge um it was definitely a struggle to get him there because you have the kid has to agree mm-hmm. to go there um, and at first, like, he was okay with going. We went for a visit. He met everybody, saw the room. Like, it, it's a nice place. And they have, like, yeah. they had an Xbox with the Just Dance and everything, good food. Um, but being away from home, so he was there. we drop him off Sunday night, pick him up Friday night, and then he'd come home for the weekends.
0: Yeah.
1: It was a lot of driving. <laughs> but, but it, it was difficult the first probably about three weeks to get him to go back on the Sunday. And at one point, the treatment place was like, well, if he really isn't wanting to stay here because he says he doesn't want to be here, we will have to discharge him. I'm like, don't listen to him. He's just homesick right now. Just put him on the phone. Yeah. I will talk to him. Um, and then so I talked to him a little bit. But then he said, you know what? When you phone me during the week, it makes me more homesick. So I just want to wait till the weekend to see you. And I'm like, cool. That That is a great. Thank you for articulating this. Yeah. Because here I thought, by talking to me every night, that was helping. But it wasn't. Yeah. So it was so good that he was able to articulate that. Um, I was sad because I missed him and, you know, talking to him every night, let mommy <laughs> have a good sleep. Yeah. But I I felt good because he, he made friends with the other girls that were there. Um, he seemed to... Like the school well enough, mm-hmm. and you know, it's all about the food. The food was fantastic. Um, but while he was there, they did they did occupational therapy assessments, speech athes- assessments, psychoeducational assessments like all of these things that we had been begging the school and our healthcare system for that they just wouldn't do. Yeah, they did them all up there, and so it was like amazing. Where oh, you have a learning disability. Well, no wonder you can't do your English work because you can't. Yeah, <laughs> so it was just like. So amazing. And he came out, I think, feeling so much better. Um, I mean, there's still a lot of therapy that we go to. Sure. Um, it was, this, you know, trial and run with different medications uh, to try and help, but huge, like, world of difference. He has not been to the hospital in, well, he had one little hiccup since he's been out, yeah. but. It's, it's been years now it's poof <clears throat> amazing so I'm not a horrible mom <laughs> imagine that I'm actually a really really good loving mom at the time though I was horrible I should have just died
0: oh yeah I I complete <laughs> you know what as you're telling that story I can uh, I had so many parallels with so many bits and pieces of that my daughter was uh, given a diagnosis of um uh Asperger's um when she was young and it was the same thing it was like the school didn't really know what to do and so there was there was a lot of like like she ended up in a school for like troubled kids that were like
1: yes uh, and it was not good
0: and they were you know like troubled (laughs) as in like violent or in gangs or things like that Mm -hmm. and it's like and they would ask her like what are you doing here (laughs) yeah but she
1: because the regular school couldn't handle them
0: exactly Exactly. And you know, what's funny about that? I was also in one of those schools once when I was younger and then, you know, found my way out. But they said the same thing to me. What are you doing here? (laughs) But, you know, it's it's funny, too, because um, she was born and and I I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. So so my daughter is trans. uh, But when she was born, uh, I kind of bring I kind of bring this up every now and again, because I think it's important for people to hear it. Um, She was born kind of intersex. uh, And we had to have surgeries to correct what was seen as an incorrect. And so they were like, well, you know, you've got a son, but it just so happens that your son has some defects with his equipment, and so we have to do some surgeries, and we were just parents, like, you know, like, oh, well, yeah, yeah fix, fix it. Yeah, you're
1: you're the expert. Yeah, okay. you're the
0: expert. Okay. And then, sure enough, years later, uh, just uh, no, I'm I, I'm I'm a woman. I'm like, of course, you are. It it was staring us right in the face. Like, of course you are. Right? Yeah, absolutely. What do you need? Yeah,
1: I know. My (laughs) son, we, he's always had, so he didn't have any defects when he was born that we were told of, but he was born, like, he's always had very broad shoulders Mm -hmm. that the female shirts have never fit. Right. So we've always shopped in the boys' section. Mm-hmm. Plus, I mean, superheroes are way cooler than princesses. Right.
0: Uh,
1: so, like, and his shoes, um, he's got big feet like me. I buy, my, my, a lot of my shoes come from the boys' section. Mm-hmm. But, like, so his is shape, like, size and stuff, much more fits in the male section. Yeah. So it made sense. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's really incredible, Um, you know, the uh, the way that we're starting to have a better understanding of these things and the psychology of it. And even the even the the medical aspect of it, you know, with the the physiology of the body and just starting to, you know, so there's going to be a lot. I, I think there there's going to be a lot fewer moving forward, you know, doctor's. Telling parents, hey, the kid is this, this is a mistake, let's do some surgeries. I think there's going to be less of that. Yeah. I also think that, um, you know, moving forward as people sort of evolve and change, you just kind of go, oh, all right, well, we made a mistake. You know, it's like, it's consider it a misdiagnosis, yeah. you know? <laughs>
1: right. And it happens. Yeah,
0: it happens. And
1: like, we grow and change as people. Yeah. So we're allowed yeah yeah actually i'm gonna say something that is super exciting for my son i'm gonna plug him for a minute. <laughs> so last year last year in school he's in grade 11 now so this is a great time nice uh they had a math assignment and it was like a dragon's den thing yeah. and so they had to come up with um it, they had to take a box and come up with what would you turn this box into so at first he tells me a glitter mom I was like, um, no, because we have to make a copy of this, and we're not making glitter bomb. Right. <laughs> so he's like, okay, why do you want to make a glitter bomb? And he says, because it's a it's for trans people coming out, and then they open it, the glitter bomb is whatever color they're coming out at. I'm yeah. like, that's genius. Can you use that concept in not a glitter bomb? Right. <laughs> so he goes, yeah. So we could we could do like transgender stuff like they open it up in this transgender stuff and i'm like that's such a good idea you want to actually do this like for realsies he's like yeah so he started his own business um and he's co oping for himself this year in grade 11 (laughs) i'm technically his supervisor but really it's his business not mine yeah um you can google it if you want it's called accepting you and he's on facebook and instagram and tiktok um and he's got different cool little transgender things so he's slowly coming up with other designs and whatever but um, my favorite one I helped him do this one is it's these bookmarks and on each there's two different ones and I wrote a poem male to female or female to male Mm -hmm. and it's got the trans flag on it Um, and and he designed the logo and then gave it to a graphic designer to professionalize it because he's still learning that stuff but uh yeah i was so proud and the school thinks it's super cool so he's co oping um for so he's doing his business and getting a school credit for it well two school credits for it actually <laughs> which is so cool and uh yeah so everybody should go check out accepting you <laughs> i think i think his handle on tiktok is accepting you dot business
0: mm, yes business <laughs> so.
1: yes and uh, yeah he came up with the name all himself and everything i know a little bit side topic but i get so proud of him i'm so excited for
0: him. (laughs) well speaking of things to be proud of i i have to ask you about kickboxing (laughs) (laughs) the fact that i i mean your story has enough twists and turns in it already just just (laughs) as it is and then you throw championship kickboxer on that, that is yeah. the weirdest frosting on an amazing <laughs> cake that I've ever seen. Talk to me about how you got into that, and then what does that do for your mindset?
1: Um, so I got into about ten years ago because we put our son into jujitsu. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and during his kids' class, there was this cardio kickboxing class going on in the corner, and I look over, and there's these two girls in the class. And I go, they have really nice butts. I want a really nice butt. (laughs) So I joined the class. And uh, after I joined it, I realized that kicking stuff was a lot of fun. So then I tried the regular Muay Thai class um, and thought that was a lot of fun. So then I trained to fight. And in 2015, um, I became the national champ in my division. I have a big belt um i went to worlds that year um it was a crazy experience going there european fighters are amazing yeah um i lost to france who apparently she was like their top athlete and like had all of these awards like wow i'm glad i didn't know that before i stepped in the ring that'd be scary (laughs) um and uh it was in Ireland too which was so cool. And then in 2016, I went to the Pan Americans and I got silver there. That was in uh, Mexico, we're at like a five-star resort. It's awesome. Um, and then in 2018s when I had cancer. Yeah, so I kind of had to take some time off cuz I had cancer. Um yeah, in 2017 it was pretty rough. I did go to the national champs. I lost because my mind was not in it. Mm-hmm. That's when um, Lev was going through so much that I really shouldn't have even <laughs> I really shouldn't have even stepped in the ring because my mind wasn't there. Yeah. Um, that especially that particular week that the competition was, we were going up back and forth to the children's hospital because he was in the mental health ward like that week. So. It was just I shouldn't have done it. It wasn't. It wasn't smart. But at the same time, again, I was my very negative self talk going. Well, you told them you were gonna do it. What kind of sissy are you? Right. How? Why would you let everybody else down? But it wasn't letting anybody down. If I wanted, like everybody would have understood. Yeah. But that brain of mine mm-hmm. and not nice. So I went. I got my butt handed to me because again, I
0: just. But I just but didn't your care. butt was nice. Where?
1: My butt was nice, right. exactly. My so butt was, it was nice. So it's pleasant to be
0: handed back to you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Um, and then, so yeah, after after uh, my cancer surgery and everything, after I healed and whatnot, then I went back. Um, I got, I was training some more. I got in the ring one more time before COVID hit. Um, that was a fun. Uh, it was just like a card, so it wasn't a tournament or anything. It was mm. just like a fun card, um, like a show, basically. And then also in 2020, just in February of 2020, I was selected as one of our provincial coaches for the Ontario Winter Games, which is basically like all the kids from across Ontario, they they come in there and they get grouped into these different teams and fight against each other. And it's kind of like... They call it like an Olympic style because we're, we're staying in this place for the weekend, mm-hmm. um, and so you you stay with your team. So it was really cool experience. All the kids were so super nice. <laughs> I got to meet some from all over. Like there was, did I have anybody from my? Yeah, I did. I think I had one kid from my gym there, but really, there were there were kids from all over different gyms. So that was really really cool. Then COVID hit. That's <laughs> not where things were shut down. Um... I continued having my nice butt because I worked out a bunch during COVID. But uh, so during that time, it was amazing for my mental health. Like I love kicking stuff, hitting stuff. It's so much fun. And training, like I love running. My husband's like, anybody who runs is a serial killer. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> my husband hates running. Um, but I we live by a Canal, so I just – I would love running during the summer – up around the canal it's so beautiful Mm. um so it was just it's it's refreshing and it's really the only time i can get out of my own head and to quiet all of these voices in my head um is when i'm exercising so it's amazing this year i've had a lot of health issues so i have not i have not hit anything since september and actually we, we just went to the gym my husband and i on friday And i kicked a bag i was like nope can't do that still my back my back (laughs) i was like i feel like i'm 90. um but so that's that has been a struggle it's it's getting better now like not my physical body my mental health is getting better yeah with coping with that because when it all first went down um i mean i I had plantar fasciitis for a couple years i had a little bit of a bag back here and there but like in in january of this year i literally could not stand for more than about 15 minutes and I had to sit down Mm. um I can only walk my dogs about two blocks and I'm like dying I'm like lay down feet up I have I go I have to get horizontal I can't be vertical anymore (laughs) I'm like right now I'm sitting here with a heating pad on my back because I'm sitting up like it's ridiculous right now um so when that actually happened I was I was coaching a couple classes a week um at the gym and I, I felt so bad because now I'm letting I'm letting the owner of the gym down, I'm letting all of these kids down that I'm teaching, I'm just, again, I'm just that horrible person. <laughs> um, and then I'm also dealing with the fact that my body, at in my 30s, like I'm not old, in my 30s, my body is deciding it's not going to work anymore. Yeah. It, like, this summer we didn't go to the zoo because I can't walk. We didn't go and do the things that we would normally do because I couldn't do them. So, it was very difficult, and I still struggle with it, but it's been, like, 11 months now. Yeah. Um, but this, this feeling of inadequacy because my body is deciding, nope, we're not going to do that. Yeah. So that's been – that in and of itself is really hard.
0: Well, I mean – and you papered over this uh, so quickly that we now have to go back to it. Uh, cancer. <laughs> you –
1: Oh yes.
0: You so tell tell me about that.
1: Um. So that yeah. That was in 2018. In 2017, I went for my regular female physical. Ladies, go on time. Do not put it off seriously. Uh, that's my PSA. <laughs> um. So I went for my my physical. I went to my doctor's office for the results, and he said, "Well, you have these big long doctor words, um, cells that they're they're no good squamous." Some or other, so you're gonna to need to go to a gynecologist and get a get a biopsy, whatever inside. I yeah. say, okay, that's fine. So I go there, um, go to the gynecologist. He puts you up in the stirrups and takes a little whatever. Yeah, sends it away. It comes back. He says it's precancerous cells, so you just have to go have surgery for, and we'll take out this tiny little bit of your cervix okay that's not bad pre-cancer cool cool we caught it on time fine awesome so i go um and i have what's called what i call first surgery (laughs) so i go and this is i think in in may uh, of 2018 and i go in and i had never i shouldn't say i've never had surgery i got my wisdom teeth out and they did put me under for that but i really had never had surgery before and i was so freaked out um and I go, and and the nurse couldn't find my vein at first. <laughs> I have such bad veins. And so she's poking me, trying to put the IV in, and she's like, you know what? I don't want to hurt you, so I'm going to go get the actual, like, the anesthesiologist to do this, <laughs> because I can't find your vein. I'm like, okay, good, because I don't... Ow, don't, please don't. Yeah. Um, and so... They came, they put it in, they're like, yeah, your veins are, poof. they suck, but we got it in, we got it yeah. in. So I go, I had surgery, uh, and he said, okay, I'll see you back in eight weeks for your follow-up. Excellent. Sweet. One week later, his office calls me. So I immediately knew something was horribly wrong because I'm not supposed to hear from you yet. Right. Um, calls me, the nurse calls me and says, I need you to come into the office today. So, well, I my kid has an appointment. I have to take my kid to his appointment. I need you to come in today. So I call my in-laws. My in-laws take him. Cool. So I go in, and I already know that they're going to tell me something horrible right. because I'm not supposed to hear from you. You basically twisted my arm to get me here today. Um, I should have brought a book with me, though, because they just were, like, doing that squeeze you in thing. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: so I was there for a little bit while. So I, sit, I get in the office. I'm sitting there. The doctor comes in. The first thing he says to me is, "You already have kids, right?" It's like, "Yeah." He goes, "You weren't planning to have any more." Where you? No, my husband has already had a vasectomy. We're not having any more. It's like, okay, that's good. Um, because you have cervical cancer. I was like, what? But it was precancer. We t- we took out the bad stuff. So once they once they did that first surgery and they took out that bad part, they send it to go get tested. Yeah. Well, the test came back real bad. Yeah. And so then I had to have second surgeries. So that's why there's first surgery. So then I had to, have, and uh, so it was a full hysterectomy. Um, and I had to go up to the cancer hospital in Hamilton, uh, which is just about 45 minutes to an hour away from me. It's nice though, because that's not really far to get like a specialized hospital. So I'm, I'm lucky that way. So I went up there. Um, I had to go up there a couple of appointments beforehand. Then I go up there and have the surgery and I'm like, so scared, so scared. Um, and surgery went fine though. Surgery went totally fine. Come home. And a few days later, my husband's like, you need to go back to the hospital. I'm like, what are you talking? No, I'm just really tired. He goes, no, you need to go back to the hospital. So I go back to the hospital. I had an infection. Hmm. And so they did poke me a whole bunch of times because they had to draw blood and they had to put the IV in. And I was so dehydrated that you couldn't find nothing. But I was so dehydrated and so full of this infection that I didn't even care. Like I couldn't even cry. I was like, okay, just do it, it's fine. And I was like, that's so not me. Um, So they pumped me full of whatever medicine. They did a bunch of tests to make sure that it wasn't something else, that it was just the infection. so the infection almost killed me, more than the cancer. <laughs> so good thing my husband was scared. I've never seen him that scared before. Um, and uh, when I did go finally for my follow up, uh, they said yes. We we sent all your bits to the to the whatever and and checked them all out. And we got all the cancer. So I did not have to go through chemo. Thank goodness. I was so scared. This sounds so stupid, but I was scared that I had to go. To, would have to go to chemo. And I was scared that I would lose my hair. Yeah. Now, it's not because I'm vain, mm-hmm. although I do have pretty hair, <laughs> but it's because of that little voice inside my head that if my hair falls out, people know I have cancer. If I have cancer, they know that I'm weak. If they think that I'm weak, then, right? And all of this, again, bad cycle. So that, that voice never really leaves. Yeah. Um, it just waits until, you know, kick them while you're down. Yeah. Just kick them while you're down. And, uh, yeah, so I was scared that people would n- would know that I had cancer, would know that I'm weak and I'm horrible. Um, those things don't go together, but that's what a depressed, horrible brain says. Um, <laughs> but I didn't. So as soon as they said that I was good and I didn't have to do radiation or chemo, I went. I, it's, it's obviously all Come out now, but I went and I bleached my hair and dyed it like a bright green and I did a bright purple for a while. Like I just, I just went crazy with it because I was so happy that I was cancer free. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, good for you. I, I'm, uh, I could talk to you, uh, until the cows come home. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, I, I
1: like to talk too.
0: I'll definitely have to have you back, but, uh, Thank you for for talking to me today.
1: You're welcome.
0: Wasn't that phenomenal? I told you a real championship conversationalist. Uh, if you want to get some more Randy in your life, and I know that you do, go to rbwriting.ca. That is where you can find out all of the information about Randy's books and the, what she's got coming up next and everything else that is going on in her incredibly busy, amazing life. As for me, you can always find me at coffeeoversuicide.com, which I believe at the moment just redirects right to the facebook page be a part of the community show up on thursdays to the meetup go to meetup.com coffee over suicide and that is it for this week folks that is the end of 2022 so all i have to say to you out there is don't kill yourselves out there see you in 2023